everyone. My name is Bernadette and welcome back to Be In The Moment. Happy October, fall season awareness. My first story time I'm sharing on the podcast, dealing with emotions and getting through it. These are some things I wanted to talk about in today's episode, but like I said, it is officially October and it is autumn and fall season, Halloween time coming up, and I really like this time of the year. I really love the fall season, maybe because I'm a fall baby myself, but I really enjoy this time. I love the Halloween decor, Halloween movies not this not the scary movies I don't really I'm not a scary movie person I don't like scary movies um I will watch some like thriller movies here and there but again I'm not a scary movie person I like the Disney Halloween movies I love the Disney nostalgic Halloween movies I FYI love Disney I will never be too old for Disney and yeah I enjoy watching those type of movies this time of year it's so cute and it's just so it's just a good time again the feels so I really I mean it's just like it's a realization how fast this year is going this year has been going by so fast yet it still feels like we're stuck in time like we're still stuck in March and April sometimes that's what it feels like and Yeah, it's just, it's so crazy, but I mean, this year is definitely a year we will never forget, but I mean, we're just, you know, we just have to keep going, just keep going and make the best of it. On this episode, I wanted to speak on this topic now because along with other awarenesses in October, like breast cancer awareness, mental health awareness, lupus, SIDS, pregnancy and infant loss, and many more. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and because I personally have gone through this a few years ago and it's a part of my story, I really wanted to speak about this in a later episode on the podcast, but because it is now officially October, I thought why not just do this now? Trauma, anxiety, depression, we all have our fair share, some more than others. How you cope and deal with it all is crucial. Not many people speak up about what they've been through. I was one of the silent ones where I totally ignored everything and didn't want to talk about it because I just simply didn't want to deal with it. I thought if I pretend it didn't happen and kept it moving, I would be okay and all is forgotten, but that's not what happened. I, like so many others, was in a toxic relationship that led to domestic violence For a lot of people, it may not be a big deal or nothing to them at all because you have to go through something yourself to truly know anything about it. I am okay now. However, it took me years to be okay. I some days have setbacks where I have a little PTSD watching some movies. Um, There's shows I can't even watch to this day because it can be a little triggering and I just rather not watch. Or if I see like a random couple in passing arguing really bad. But for the most part, I am blessed and I'm okay. So again, the only reason why I am talking about this now is because it is October, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I wanted to share my story for anyone that has gone through something similar or that knows someone that has gone through something similar. 
I've never really talked about my story in full detail to anyone. I, at one point, didn't want to think about it, talk about it, um, anything at all. So as the years went by and as I got older, everything just hit me all at once because I never dealt with my emotions. I never talked about it. I never faced it, I guess. And, um, you know, I regret that. And I, that was a mistake on my part that I feel like for a few years, I completely went numb to a lot of situations and a lot of feelings that was because of everything I dealt with at one point. Um, my story took place years ago. I just want people to know that your feelings are valid and don't think that because something happened so long ago that is the excuse to get over something because it's not. Your feelings are always valid no matter how many times someone tries to tell you otherwise, no matter how many times someone tries to downplay the situation, especially when it comes to domestic violence. And I, this is another reason why I wanted to start my own podcast was because I wanted to share my own stories. I wanted to share the things that I've gone through, how I've overcame things, how it led me to become the person that I am today. And my domestic violence story is my story. It's simply just that. And this happened a few years ago, so I feel more, um, a little more comfortable talking about these things because time has passed. I have had time to heal. We've both gone our separate ways. We've moved on. Everything's okay now. Um, so I guess I'll just start from the very, very beginning. Um, just so I can kind of share the whole story. Uh, my ex-boyfriend and I have known each other since we were young, very young. We were kids. I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And we had started off as friends and best friends that grew into a relationship where we ultimately just later on in life grew apart from each other. And um, I don't really know where to begin really because it's a lot. It's, I mean, all those years worth. So um, we, from the very beginning, first and foremost, he was very overprotective of me, very, um, just obsessive over me. Everyone pretty much knew it and you can pretty much see it. And he also never hid that from anyone. And everyone knew our friends or acquaintances, teachers down the line knew how he was with me. And it would sometimes be even like an ongoing joke, like be careful, you know, if, if, you know, your ex-boyfriend sees so-and-so talking to you or walking next to you or things like that, like, he would get mad over the smallest things. Um, it would be constantly walking on eggshells, um, pretty much with anything. If I met a new friend, if I, again, was walking next to someone, if, um, just very much like I needed his approval with a lot of things, when it came to like even hanging around or being around some like of my girlfriends or even friends that I knew but he didn't know um even like my family members or my cousins he just 
you he kind of just would have to approve everything first before I did it or if he basically didn't approve it wasn't okay with him and I just always took it as something that he would always tell me was he was just doing this and doing everything and doing and being the way he was because he cared because he was caring of me and I just always took it that way I took it as if the person you're with is not like this then he doesn't care about you and that's totally not true that is absolutely false that's just not healthy um and I mean I I knew I didn't know any better obviously so something I'm grateful for out of the whole relationship is I'm such a different person and I'm I I am so grateful that I got to experience some of these things as funny or as weird as that may sound because I know the difference now. I know like the red flags. I know what's okay and what's not okay. And ultimately I came out so much stronger and again just a completely different person than I was back then. Um, So to start, I like I said, we grew up with each other. We... Um, it started off with small things like that, obviously. I mean, what else could it start with at 13, you know, teenagers, 13 years old? Um, it, it was things like that. Like he didn't approve of me making friends with so-and-so or hanging around or walking next to so-and-so. And, um, it would just be like small controlling things like that. And as we got older, it obviously got worse. So once we had gotten to like high school together, it was pretty hard. Well, it was just difficult and stressful to meet new people because he just didn't approve of things like that. He didn't approve of um, me hanging around with different people or people that he didn't know. Or like I said, if he didn't approve, it was not okay. So those are things that I remembered um, that I could recall of how like little signs and red flags started and then it would be um things like you know getting into arguments and fighting and it would be the littlest dumbest arguments obviously you know literally I felt like walking on eggshells I didn't want to make him mad over you know anything because if he would if he was mad or if he had gotten mad if if in my head I put oh, I'm making him mad by doing this, it would last like days or hours and it would just be so draining. And and that's the thing, like I put a lot of that in my head, but he also put that in my head was if he didn't care as much or if he didn't, if he wasn't so obsessive or if he wasn't so controlling, then that means he didn't care. So I obviously thought of it that way because he put it in that way for me to see was that all of the things he was doing and how he was controlling and that was because he cared and if he was not like that that means he did not care about me if that makes sense so like I said because we've known each other since we were so young I basically and I told him multiple times and because that's what it was we grew up together and he kind of in a way raised me with that mindset and I feel like he raised me in some weird way um and 
so I started to think that I started to, I mean, ultimately think like that too. Like, oh, if he's not chirping off of this, that means he doesn't care about me. Or, you know, if, I mean, I don't know. It was just, I know it's so like weird to, to say and to think about, but that's just what it was. Being a teenager, I was probably 15 or younger than 15 or maybe like 15, 16 years old back then. I was like back then, like 2006, 2007, eight, I was just so naive and so, um, manipulated, I guess that I feel like he raised me in a lot of ways and the things that he would tell me, I ultimately believed. Obviously he, like I said, we've known each other for so long and we were best friends at one point. So being together in a relationship, I obviously trusted him and I, I trusted his words and his judgment. And I mean, I guess like not brainwashed, but like he manipulated me in a lot of ways. And as we got older, it got worse and it got more physical as we got older. So once we were like almost out of high school, we would, like I said, get into arguments or fights And those fights led to like him throwing my phone on the ground or pushing me into lockers or pushing me against his car door or starting to threaten me and breaking my car key. I remember at one point we were arguing in front of his house and we were in my car and I don't even remember what the fight or argument was about, but I was trying to leave so I would threaten him like if you don't stop or if we're not going to stop I'm just going to leave and I remember he like snatched my key away and he he broke my key in half because he was so mad and I I mean I couldn't leave because he broke my key in half so um luckily that day I remember I had a spare key in my glove compartment and I used that key to get home and I remember like I told my parents I think like I just like lost my key so they don't see that it was like broken in half because I I think ultimately they would have put two and two together and my parents you know later found out that my parents later on found out how my ex-boyfriend was with me and they could see me changing and see my moods and see how upset I was and as I got older I mean I I assumed and I don't doubt that they heard us arguing over the phone or hearing me cry or like I said seeing me upset or seeing me change um so they didn't like our relationship obviously my parents you know never talked to me the way my ex talked to me and my dad you know someone that I grew up like a daddy's girl I'm I till this day like till forever I am a daddy's girl and my dad has never talked to me like that or never has yelled at me or screamed at me the way my ex-boyfriend ever had. Um, So getting older, I always thought like, why am I taking this BS from my ex-boyfriend when my own dad doesn't even talk to me this way? I feel like the example my dad had led for a man in my life for the first man in my life, the first man, you know, that you love is your dad. And if you have that good relationship with him, with your dad, 
And I later on, as I got older, said to myself, like, my own dad doesn't even talk to me or treat me like this or even controls me like this or tells me I can't do this and can't do that. Why would I ever let any other man and this guy, like my ex-boyfriend, why would I ever let him talk to me like this? So as I got older, I started, you know, getting tired of it. When you're in your teenager and in your teenage years, if when you're a teenager, you don't want someone controlling you or telling you what to do. And here I was having this ex-boyfriend doing exactly that. Like, yes, my parents were strict on me to a certain point, but like my parents never yelled at me or they never, they never had to yell at me because I was never like a, I was never a bad kid. I always listened to my parents. I respected my parents. I, to this day, And forever, I will respect my parents. That's just how I was raised and how they raised me. So why would I I let someone else talk to me and treat me this way? Um, So, you know, I I got tired of it. When I, as I got older, I, I started to get tired of someone telling me what to do, someone controlling me. I started to get tired of walking on eggshells and whatever it may have been when we were at a young age, whether it be me talking to someone he didn't like or someone he didn't approve of or making a new friend that was a male or hanging around friends that he just didn't like for whatever reason. Or, I mean, I don't know, my bad judgment, I guess, when I was, a, you know, when I was younger, he just, he, I just, I got tired ultimately at the end. I got tired of someone telling me what to do controlling me and it just wasn't it was just it was hard and it took a toll as we got older um but I mean bringing it back to like my parents my parents you know just obviously didn't like him because who would like someone especially a boyfriend treating their daughter that way or not being good to their daughter or um or anybody because there was a lot of people too that I had met, whether they were friends or strangers, like didn't like my ex-boyfriend because of the way they seen him have an attitude with me or talk to me or yell at me. And it was it was at a point where I would be so embarrassed and I felt like at a point like I can't take you nowhere or we can't go anywhere together because we would argue and we would fight and it wouldn't be the kind of fights that oh, someone's coming, let's just, you know, let's talk about this in the car. Like, no, it would be like, if someone was walking by, like, he wouldn't care. He would yell at me or have an attitude with me or disrespect me, talk talk to me in any type of way in front of people. And it was so embarrassing. Just, like, strangers would look at me like, she's so stupid. Like, why is she with him? Or so many people would tell me, like, why are you with him? Or... I mean, I, I, I heard it all and, um, I knew that I had to get out of that relationship at the end. So there would be so many times where I would try to get out of the relationship. It took me, it took me a lot of tries and it took me years to get out of a relationship. So I do understand. And I do feel when people say in a domestic violence relationship, and this is just us dating as teenagers yet we were together for many years we were not living together we were not married like I feel when people say like why don't they just leave 
If it's a bad relationship or domestic violence, why don't you just leave or walk away? It's so hard to do that because I've tried it. I know it. I lived it. I've been through it. I try to leave so many times, whether it be if I started to not have feelings for him anymore or I liked someone else or I wanted to pursue someone else or I wanted to get to know someone else because that's something you do when you're in high school when you're a teenager you want to get to know other people or you want to you know you just you go your separate ways you you know it's not so serious although if and when you're in high school you think it's your you know your whole life you know so I remember like wanting to meet someone else and I had the courtesy to tell him or you know I gave him the courtesy to tell him like hey like maybe we shouldn't be together anymore let's just go our separate ways and he just he wouldn't let me and what I mean by that is he would cry he would scream he would yell he would throw fits he would have meltdowns breakdowns and I obviously I would feel very bad and I would feel like shit and he would make me feel like crap and tell me like this is how you're gonna do me this is how you're gonna be this is how you're gonna you know you're gonna treat someone like we've been together all these years and ultimately make me feel like crap like the lowest of low and obviously like how how do I even go on or how do I even like live with myself with him putting all this like regret and all this like bad on me and making me feel like so low I you know just to even like stop him from crying I would say like okay never mind like just forget it it was just an idea I'm sorry never mind I never mind you know and I remember like I remember so much like I never met such an emotional person like my ex-boyfriend I had never met someone so like cry like we both cried in our relationship but I feel like he had so many more meltdowns than I had he would cry just to get his way with me and I later on found out that he would just he was spoiled I guess with his you know growing up that that's how he would get his way is by having fits or yelling or making scenes and that's what he did with me and it worked with me because I just wanted this guy to stop crying or stop yelling or stop screaming and as we got older, if, you know, I, I wanted to try and get out of the relationship or break up with him, he would start threatening me and then threatening himself. So there were so many times where he would tell me he was a crazy driver. He was all about his cars and he liked cars. So he would always tell me that he would drive crazy or he knew I didn't like when he drove crazy or when he drove um, recklessly. So he would tell me all the time, I'm going to drive crazy or reckless or especially when it was like cold weather and raining, he would always tell me, I'm just, I'm going to drive crazy and if I crash, it's going to be your fault because I was upset crying and um, driving crazy and it's going to be your fault. He at one point told me he was going to leave a note and a letter to his family blaming me if something happened to him because he drove crazy because I got him so mad and so sad and so upset and obviously me being like under 18 I was probably 17 at the time that no I didn't want that those threats alone I didn't want to find out he was very convincing he was very 
scary. He was very all of that to me that I didn't even want to test that. I didn't want him to do anything to himself or harm himself because I didn't want, I felt like at that age I would get in trouble if something happened to him because he he told me that those are his words that I would get in trouble. His family would come and find me or someone would come and find me if something happened to him because it would be my fault. And me being so young, I believed everything he told me. I believed everything he said. And like I said, he was very convincing I never wanted to find out and I never wanted him to go over and to test the limits that he had when it came to him threatening himself or to threaten me because he would always threaten, I'm going to come to your house and make a scene. I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to find you or anything like that. And at that time, if you're in a relationship when it's toxic or domestic violence, you don't want your family to know what you're going through. One, because it's like your business and two, because you don't want them to get involved and it's embarrassing at some point. And so my family never knew. I would always hide it from my family. I would always defend him. I would always um, make excuses for him. And I never wanted my family to find out when we were mad or arguing or fighting or anything like that because it was so embarrassing and I just, I didn't want that burden to be on them on my family, immediate family or any of my family members. So with him saying that, he knew where to get me and he knew that I ne- he knew I didn't want my family to know. So I would always say never mind, never mind, forget it. I'm sorry. Stop, please stop. You know, I just it was it's just like flashbacks to stuff like that where it's like never mind, calm down, calm down, like calming a child down from a temper tantrum type of thing. And he would literally cry and scream and and all of that and that was like over the phone and in person it would be scary because he's screaming in your face and it's like please back up please don't be so loud I don't want people to hear you I don't want people to see us you know and it was just getting worse and worse um like I said my parents didn't didn't like him because of that so my family or my parents, mostly my mom would always say and like mother's instinct maybe with her, she just knew. She always knew whether this guy was good or not, nice or not. It wasn't about that. It was just about our arguments and our fights and we weren't good for each other. So let's just not be together. And my mom just never liked it. She had a bad vibe. She just, she didn't like it, you know? So she would always tell me, I remember, is that it's just going to get worse when you when you guys are getting older. And she was right. It did. It got worse. And it got worse to a point where I think any and all incidences ha- happened. And they were, like I said, him breaking my key, him getting a little more physical with me, the fights and the threats. The threats is what kept me from not breaking up with him. We had broken up in our relationship. We were a little bit off and on at the end. So we did go our separate ways at one point, but we always came back together because he would always try to call me or try to text me or find me on like social media, or he would so happen to magically appear at restaurants I was at, stores I was at, 
following me sometimes when he would see my car. He knew where I worked and he would, you know, pass by. He would pass by, you know, where I lived and he would have some contact, some way to get in contact with me. And it would be up to me to fall for that. So I think the longest we had been broken up was almost a year maybe or a year or year and a half and we would just always like I said get back together or get back into each other's life whether it be starting off as friends again and then ultimately being in a relationship again and we gave it a try one last time when we were older in our early 20s so that you know whether it had been him getting a hold of me we just didn't know how to let go of each other and it was so hard for us at one point to let go of each other to be without each other because of the fact that we started off so young as kids as friends it was very hard to picture our lives without each other he put his views on to me at some point that I felt like he was someone, if he was out of my life, I felt like he had like passed away or something. And being like that young, it was very hard on me. So I felt like I just, it was hard to let go. So that was, you know, like around high school time. Um, And again, like dealing with everything else on top of this, I was having difficulties like graduating high school and getting myself together when it would come with school and stuff. So um, it was pretty hard at that time. It was pretty rough. And honestly, like the only time it was such a dark time for me that you know, again, with my ex, he was, like, my best friend, too, at the time, and, I mean, I couldn't really even have friends, so he was, like, my only friend that I would have. I wouldn't talk to him about, like, dark times that I was feeling and that I was having because, I mean, all of these emotions were coming from our relationship together that at some points when our, really, when our fights would get really bad, I would feel and I would wish sometimes like I wasn't even here like it was so bad at at times that I felt like I didn't even want to be here anymore my first and only suicidal thoughts were in high school my senior year I remember I don't even want to be here anymore I don't want to deal with this anymore like I'm so tired I remember being at one point so tired and not wanting to deal with what you know what our relationship was I felt so ashamed and it was just a lot what we were going through and a lot what I was dealing with at a young age that when it came to like our senior year I remember in high school I remember on top of everything that we're dealing with and on top of everything that you know, our fights and our arguments, and it's very, very exhausting and mentally draining. I'm still trying to focus on just graduating high school alone, 
that, you know, all of our problems were, it didn't help, you know, anything. And, you know, as we got older, I, I even remember actually, my parents didn't even let me go to my senior prom because of our relationship and my ex-boyfriend. We would always argue and constantly fight that they didn't want me to go anywhere with him so they didn't let me go to my senior prom they didn't feel comfortable for me to go with him they obviously knew that even if we wouldn't go together he would be there so um I couldn't go because of him um and yeah so I missed out on that and um I mean later like I guess I was okay with not going to prom but um my parents just knew, you know, that by that time they had caught on. They knew that, you know, if they seen me upset, if they seen me, you know, my eyes crying, if they knew how mad he would get, by that time we would be getting into arguments where he would just drive by the house and try and make scenes and stuff like that. So they were just like, no, like I, they didn't feel comfortable, you know, with letting me go anywhere. Um, and like out of our city to go somewhere else for our prom. So, um, so yeah, I missed out on that. So many things that happened. There was good times and, you know, bad times and we would break up and then we would get back together and stuff like that. Um, but as we got older, it just got worse. It got worse and... Um, it got to a point where like, we just couldn't do it anymore. And we, it got to a point that we were together for a long time. We were just so comfortable with each other. We were used to each other and that's all we knew. All we knew was each other. And there was a point I feel like at the end where we just didn't even know how to let go of the relationship. We tried to let go, but we did not know how. And I feel like that's just what kept us together was that all we knew was each other and we just needed to like we needed to get out of that of our relationship and we just needed to let go we we grew apart and it wasn't a good relationship it wasn't a healthy relationship and I even remember at one point where I remember one point where at the end of this of our whole relationship we had gotten obviously we got into a fight and I remember specifically us going to the movies and I remember specifically the movie we went to watch was Ted I think and I remember us arguing and us walking to the car like distance from each other because we were mad we went to the movies mad and we watched the whole movie mad at each other we didn't say anything and at the end of the movie we walked to the car at a distance we just did not talk to each other that whole time and I remember specifically like seeing other couples around us seeing people happy around us and I'm just like I want that for us like I want I want us to be normal and I want us to be happy and I specifically remember and I swear to God I said to myself and I prayed I hope he finds someone first and I hope he finds someone, anyone that'll treat him 
the way he wants to be treated. You know, we were not good for each other. And I remember saying that. I hope and I wish that he moves on first so he can leave me alone. And and I I handle it by myself. I handle it the way, you know, I handle it. I want him to move on so he can leave me alone. Because there were times where we would break up and I would try to move on. We both moved on at one point and then we always got back together. But I remember if I would try to move on first, he would always pass by the house. He would always try to get in some kind of contact with me and he just would not let go. And that's what I wanted. I wanted him to move on first so he can leave me alone. I didn't care how I felt, how hurt I was if he moved on. I just wanted him to like get going, like start first, like you could go first. And then I can, you know, move on when I want to, how I want to, and and find someone else, you know. I remember it. That's how bad it was. That's how desperate I was. And I prayed like God, I hope he finds someone. I hope I hope he moves on before me. Like I didn't care how hurt I was. I didn't care how I felt. I just wanted him to find someone and to move on. And he did. He did and and I was left, you know, to pick up my pieces and move on by myself and that's how bad our relationship was and that's how desperate I wanted that's how desperate we needed to like to go on our separate ways and it may be very strange and it may be very odd but for us to be people that grew up together and to know each other and be together since we were kids teenagers growing up into our early adult years and kind of like finding our way through life and growing apart we did not know how to let go of each other and and yeah that's how bad it got at at that point at the end of our relationship and um he he had found someone and he moved on, but then he would come back. And I didn't want that. I didn't want him to come back. I wanted him to move on. And, you know, we try to work on our relationship many times. It just would not work. It didn't work. And, um, you know, back to like when we were in high school, we would get into arguments. We would there were times where he would yell at me with like raising his voice yell at me and obviously like I wouldn't just take it you know we would just be yelling back and forth at each other we would he would be the one to like just push me against like the lockers push me against the car push me throw my phone you know he would just snatch my phone and throw the phone on the floor um you know, just things like that, and I just thought, like, oh, we're just arguing, like, yeah, it's just the type of thing that couples do, and it's like, no, 
girl, like, that's not, like, that's not normal. Like, that's not healthy. That's not how a relationship should be. That is not, that's not it. And we had went through a lot because we grew up with each other. And I remember I did not see it. Nothing would get through my head. Not people, not our fights, our situations. Nothing went through my head that this was not good. I remember the light that made me like realize everything and that this was in fact domestic violence was when we had went to Planned Parenthood and we went together and we were in the waiting room together and I was being called up to go inside the doctor's room and he you know got up with me to go inside and the girl was like oh no you know we just need her you know the patient so he you know turned around he sat in the waiting room for me waited for me and I you know was waiting in that room for a while for the doctor and I didn't have any like reception on my cell phone so I didn't have a choice but to look at the walls and look at like the posters that they have and all the pamphlets that they have and I was waiting for a while so one in particular pamphlet caught my eye and for whatever reason I was so bored and I picked up the pamphlet I'll never forget this pamphlet it was brown and it had like a broken house in front of it like a picture of a broken home and it was domestic violence and um something like help at home or something like that and I was just reading through this pamphlet like not thinking anything of it and they had like this test like this quick test in the back and which with a bunch of like bullet points and they said if you it said on the pamphlet if you answered yes to any half or all of these uh, questions you are dealing with domestic violence and if you said no to these bullet points and questions then you are in a healthy relationship and I'm over here reading this pamphlet and I'm answering yes to every single one and I'm thinking wait what like I I only thought what everyone thinks if you have not been through domestic violence you probably think all of this is bs and you think like it's only domestic violence if you're being punched in the face and if you're left with these like black and blue bruises and and it's not like domestic violence is emotional and it's it's mental and it's a lot and I answered yes to all of these questions and I flipped I freaked out I freaked out and I literally closed the pamphlet super fast I put it back where I got it I sat down and I I was so in denial because I've heard it before. I've heard it before from, I mean, my mom would always tell me like, you know, this isn't, you know, right. Like you shouldn't be sad or he shouldn't be like yelling or arguing with you and people around us, you know, would tell us and I just didn't believe it. You don't want to believe it, you know, when you're young still and when you're, you know, I just, I didn't see it and I didn't want to see it. And I, again, was so in denial and I just literally didn't want to think about it. I just blocked it from my mind and 
I just continued to wait for the doctor. And, you know, once the doctor came in and we left and everything, I just had that in the back of my head. So every time we would argue and fight, I would constantly have the domestic violence scenarios in my head and okay maybe this is domestic violence and and yeah later on you know as we got older that's what it it got worse and it we grew into being in a relationship and getting more physical and getting you know the fights getting worse and it led to it just led to to a lot more building up. It takes time to get over the situation. It takes time to get over what happened, not over the person. For so long, I felt like even like today talking about this or ever bringing up this story or the situation, I always feel people are kind of quick to say like, oh, you're still not over that. Get over it. It happened how many years ago when it's like, I'm not talking about I'm not it's not that I'm not over the person or I'm not over the relationship because it's not that at all it to me at this point in my life it has nothing to do with the person it has nothing to do with my ex it has nothing to do with the relationship that we were in it was the situation I was in it was what I put myself through when I was younger it was what it was what I was dealing with when I was younger and this traumatic experience and this really this the setting that all this was in and at the end result of us leaving each other of us not being together and what really caused the domestic violence that's what you know is so hard that was so hard to get over and it took me years to get over it it took me years to get over it because For so many years, I pushed it back. I didn't want to deal with anything. I just wanted to forget all about it. So I didn't face anything. I didn't face my emotions. I didn't face anything. I didn't didn't deal with anything. I just pushed it all back because I didn't want to deal with anything at all. And I didn't want to think about anything. And it's hard to talk about it and I feel like I never talked to anyone about it I never talked to anyone about it back then I felt like I was just trying to avoid everything and everyone and I was trying to protect him and protect us and protect our relationship that I didn't I never talked to anyone about it I didn't talk to anyone about it and even after everything happened and and we went our separate ways and we went through more things like I never talked to anyone about the relationship and the domestic violence and what I had been through because at one point I felt so ashamed. So one day I remember just when we were so tired and so like had this relationship sucked out of us. Um, one night, particularly January 30th, 2013, or 14 or 2013 um we were at a point where we were so done maybe I was more done than him because he kind of kept on pursuing it and we had been at a point where he was talking to someone else and 
basically trying to talk to me and someone else at the same time. So I had told him, if you do not stop talking to me, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this new girl you're talking to that you're basically still trying to see me. And basically, you know, you obviously still have feelings for me because he kept telling me that he did and he wanted to work this out between us yet he's still pursuing this other girl so keep in mind I I didn't know this girl at all I knew nothing about her and I didn't care to know anything about her that's not the point but the point is is that he was really just trying to talk to us at the same time and I wasn't about that I wasn't gonna have that so he got really upset and really really mad when I told him that if you just don't let go of us and stop talking to me, I'm going to tell this girl some way or I'll post it on my social media that this girl looks at and I'll post something like he's talking to both of us or like a screenshot of our text messages or something. So he got really mad and we stopped talking for a few days because he was so mad and I actually stopped talking to him for a few days because those few days that we didn't talk he was nonstop calling and texting, leaving, leaving me voicemails. So one day after not talking to him, after he knew I wasn't responding to those text messages and phone calls, um, he tried to talk to me very calm. So he started texting me in a calm manner, talking or calling and leaving voicemails, talking very calm on there and was just ready to talk one last time, just like our goodbye, and this was it. So I remember I was getting off of work. I remember he contacted me very calm, and was just ready to talk about it one last time, kind of say our goodbyes, like I said. So I did, and not ha- not talking to him for a few days, I thought, okay, yeah, he's calm now. He gets it, he's tired, and we'll just you know talk one last time. So this is something that we would do throughout our relationship in the years that we were together whenever we would fight or argue and we were ready to talk about it and settle things and, you know, talk and be okay with each other. He would pick me up in his car and we would just talk down the street or in front of my house or in front of somewhere just in his car. We would talk about it and this is just some, I just thought, you know, this is something else that we always do. So he said he would come by my house and we would talk in his car again. And I said, okay, you know, I agree to that. And, and I left my house. I just walked out of the house. I didn't tell anybody because this was something I've always done for many years with him. I would just walk out of the house. We would talk in his car. I'd come back to the house and everything's fine. So that's what I did this time. And as soon as I stepped into his car and as soon as I closed the door, he sped off so fast and he just flipped like a switch and was again, so mad, starting to yell at me, starting to talk to me so crazy. And I just had a really bad feeling And I told him, like, what are you doing? Like, why? Where are we even going? You said we were just going to talk in front of my house. And he said, like, I'm not I'm not taking you back home. Like, that's when it all started. And I said, well, if you're going to not be calm and be mad and like this and act crazy, like, just take me back home. Like, 
there's not even any point in talking or trying to talk to you if you're going to be like this. This is why I was avoiding him for, for days because he was acting like this and he just was not calm at all. And I knew from being with him so many years, I knew he was not going to be calm anymore and he was just, there was no going back for him after that. So I, you know, got scared right away, but in the very beginning, I was just so confused and I just started to think like, what do you even think you're doing? And it was kind of, it was a little funny to me at the beginning because I just didn't take him seriously at all. And I thought like, why are you acting like this? Like, why are, why, like, what do you even think you're doing? What are, what are we doing right now? Like, just take me back home. He kept just denying it and just saying that he wouldn't take me back home. I wasn't, he wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna go back home is what he was saying. And I just thought like, well, where am I going? Where are we going? Where are you taking me? And in my head, I thought I walked out of my house like no one even knows I'm with him or no one even knows where I went. So luckily, I was so happy that I I took my phone with me and he was just, he spazzed out. He was going crazy. He was just like not even himself. And like the look on his eyes was so scary, something I had never seen before how mad he was like I've seen him at his worst I've seen him so mad but this time I remember it was just like hit not even him and he was just mad that I was ignoring him for multiple days he was mad that I wasn't responding to him anymore and he was just he was mad he was like super super mad and he was just threatening me the whole time saying he wasn't going to take me home, saying all these crazy things to me, threatening not only my life, but his life as well, and saying that, you know, we're just going to crash, and he doesn't care what happens to us, and saying constantly he would take me somewhere no one's going to find me. He was naming some locations that were scary, and locations that I knew no one would find me and locations where it's like the marina like the water and it's like why are you taking me there like what are you gonna do and that you're just gonna leave me there and he was just trying anything and everything to scare me and it obviously worked so I just didn't know what to do I panicked obviously and I started to call my cousin and my brother on my phone and he was right next to me obviously in the car driving crazy um I called them and he would just kind of laugh about it or just look at me like you can call whoever you want they're just we're not going to be I'm just going to keep moving you to, to the next location like you can tell them anything like I don't care who you call at the end he just he said that he didn't even care if his parents cops like anything he didn't care who found out he didn't care about anything at that point. And I knew, like, this was it. Like, I knew I was in trouble. I knew there was no going back from this point. And I was trying to get out the car so many times that I was being dragged out the car. As I was trying to get out the car, like, my feet, like, would just drag, like, with him driving. Me trying to get out the car, he would just hold my arm 
and hold on to like my jacket and just grab me by like hitting my back grabbing my arm so like forcefully tight and just you know for me not to slip out and get out of the car so I was scared out my mind obviously I had never been so scared for my life and so scared out my mind like that that I ultimately thought at one point like I'm not gonna see my family anymore like I didn't even get to say goodbye to them like what's gonna happen to me and what's gonna happen to us and that's when I started to record on my phone I started to record on my phone like the things he was saying to me the threats him yelling and screaming and saying you know that he didn't care that if the cops found out that his parents would just bail him out and all these things prior just to keep in mind like we never had a fight or it never got so bad or I never called the cops or anything on him like that like I never had done that he had a pat he had a past or like had a criminal kind of like a criminal thing but not from me um and so it was nothing like oh the cops knew about it or I would always call the cops like nothing like that and so he would you know say that like I don't care if you call the cops or the police find out like my parents would just bail me out and you know all these things so I had called my cousin he was mad and he was trying to meet me somewhere um so I can try and get out the car and my cousin can pick me up or my cousin you know see my ex-boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend just kept driving to the next location so when I noticed that we were getting a little further and noticed like the bad areas where he would drive me I just told myself I knew I had to get out of that car I don't care what I had to do to get out of the car but I was not going anywhere further with him so when once we got to a four-way stop I knew he had to stop because there was more cars coming he couldn't just pass that stop sign so as we were coming to a four-way stop I unbuttoned my coat that I had and he was grabbing onto my left arm the whole entire time so I wouldn't get out of the car and he would just get so much more he would get so much more mad at the fact that I was trying to get out the car and screaming and yelling at me and keep in mind I was recording all of this so I had the audio and the only reason why I recorded any of it was because I thought wherever my phone ends up wherever my phone gets thrown whoever finds my phone is going to hear this recording and would know what happened to me and who I was with and what was even going on and I just ultimately in my mind I was thinking and saying a lot that I was thinking and saying a lot to myself that this is it this was it because he had made me believe it and the way he was threatening me and what he was saying to me what he was going to do to me where he was going to leave me I just I literally thought and it was the only time in my life I ever thought that I was not going to make it out of this and I I had kept that recording in my phone to think whoever finds my phone is going to hear this. So I, once we were coming to that stop sign, I had unbuttoned my jacket and I slipped out of my coat and I had rolled out of the car 
And all I heard was the car screeching, him yelling and screaming, cussing at me. And I just rolled out of the car. I scraped up my my hand and my arm and like my leg. My arm had caught the fall. My hand had caught the fall. So my like whole right arm was scratched up. And I had held tight to my phone so I wouldn't lose it. And I ran so fast to I was thinking like to run to some houses but I had no time to like run up to a house and no one answered their door and it was probably like it was nighttime it was probably probably like eight or nine o'clock at night and I didn't think anyone would answer so I just ran to any car that I seen that was closest to me so there was a car that had also made a stop at that four-way stop and I ran up to a car and I remember it being like a middle-aged man and he was by himself in the car and I was just screaming, please like let me in, like please like my ex-boyfriend's trying to get me, like he's trying to hurt me, please let me in. Like I was looking at this man inside this man's eyes and like begging my life, like begging for my life, like please let me in the car. Like I was trying to open his car door, like banging on his car. He's seen how desperate and scared I was and how serious it was. And he kept looking at my ex-boyfriend right behind me, chasing after me with the car. And he kept looking at me like, what should I do? Like, it can be a scary situation, you know, for that that poor man that I, I had brought him to the situation. And I felt so bad, but I, that's how desperate I was. So he let me in the car. He drove off right away and was like, what's happening? Like, what's your name? And I remember I was just like crying and I was just apologizing like I just I apologized that whole time and I'm like I'm so sorry I you know I I I'm just so sorry I was so sorry I was so embarrassed and I was just honestly so sorry that I had I had even gotten him involved and but I was so grateful that he had let me inside of his car so I told him can you please drop me off like at the police station I had at the time lived near a police station and I knew if I told my cousin and my brother to meet me there um, it would be a safe place kind of so I called my cousin on the phone and I told him like hey can you please meet me at the police station like someone's dropping me off there and I had got out of my ex-boyfriend's car so they had met me at the police station this guy had dropped me off this man had dropped me off at the police station and I just told him like I'm so sorry and I told him my name and my ex-boyfriend's name and like what had happened, what was going on, what he was trying to do to me and I just, I kept apologizing to him and to this day like I still think about that man and I think about like how much he had helped me and saved my life and I think about like I wonder if I had ever seen him again and I not even know it was him and I remember I prayed for him and I prayed for him to this day sometimes like I'll think about it randomly and I'll still think like again like I wonder where this man was even from or like I wonder if I had ever seen him again and not even know that it was him and he was truly an angel to me and he was he was an angel that let me inside of his car and drove me to a safe place and I thank God for him and I pray for him and I'll probably pray for him for the rest of my life, not even knowing who, the, who he was. 
but like I'll always pray for the man that let me in his car. I'll always pray for the man that let me in his car at my time in need. Um, so my ex, or I'm sorry, my cousin and my brother met me at the police station and I had got out of that man's car and I just told him like, I'm so sorry, but thank you so much. Like, thank you. Thank you. And he left. He's probably, poor man was probably so confused and was like, I have no idea what the hell just happened, but I hope he knew that he did a good thing and that he saved someone's life that night. And, um, my cousin and my brother were so mad and I was just in the car with them and I just wanted to go home. Like all I wanted to do that time was go home, go to bed. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody, see anybody. I don't even know myself like what had even just happened. I was just trying to go out to talk to my ex-boyfriend like we had always done and just try to patch this up and move on and just move on as friends. And, um, everything had happened so fast. And, um, once I had got to my house, once my cousin and my brother had drove me to, drove me home, my ex was already outside of my house yelling and screaming at my family members that I did this and all of this is my fault. And it's like, you can't justify anything. What you were just about to do and say and threaten, nothing can justify what you were trying to do especially to my own family, you know? So that was just like even more of like, what are you even doing or what do you even think you're doing? Like yelling at my family members, trying to blame this on me. And I remember like, I just didn't even care anymore at that point. Like I didn't even say anything to my ex-boyfriend. I was just trying to go inside of the house. That was the last time I had seen him for a little bit. And, um, I remember just like my whole family was there and everyone was so mad and so upset and I just wanted to go to bed and my hand was like all scraped up and, um, the, a cop was called. So someone had called the cops. I don't know if it was a family member or 911 because my, a family member had called 911 at one point because they had heard what happened that I had jumped out of the car and that my boyfriend had, you know, was holding me against my will and they had seen my hand. So an ambulance um, was called, but they had tried to cancel it because I said, like, I'm fine. I don't want to go to the hospital. My hand's okay. Like, it's just scraped up. I'm just going to wash it, put something on it, and I don't want all of this attention, you know? So I, um, already being so embarrassed that everyone knew what had happened and how bad our relationship was and how it had gotten, I didn't want any more attention at all. So they had canceled the ambulance, but the ambu- they had already told 911 that it was a domestic violence type of thing. It was an ex-boyfriend thing and that he wasn't letting me out the car and I had rolled out of the car, like I jumped out of his car so I think 911 or someone in the family had called the cops because they wanted me to get a restraining order right away, like that same night. Because I went to work by myself. I was always by myself and alone. I had always went to the store alone, to school alone. Like he knew what stores I went to. He knew what school I went to. He knew where I worked. And he had a history of popping up to my work and popping up to my school and places 
you know, restaurants I was at, fast food places I was at, stores I was at. He had a history of finding me and and following me. So my family wanted me to get a restraining order. The cop was like defending my ex-boyfriend and blaming everything on me, saying that everything and all of this is my fault because I had willingly got into his car. Yet I willingly got into his car because he tricked me to get into his car. And he, my ex-boyfriend, was not letting me out of the car. The many, probably a hundred times I had told him, let me out of the car. I want to get out of the car. Let me out. Let me out. Please let me out. Please take me back home. Like I had everything recorded on my phone that I didn't even need to speak because the recording could speak for itself. So... I was just so confused and looking at this cop like, if you're not helping me, please get out of this house. Because he was ultimately, ultimately the only reason why the cop was even called was to get a restraining order. And I had no idea. No one knew how to go about that. So when I told the cop, like, I'm going to get a restraining order, that's all I need. The cop said, I'll always remember this cop, by the way. This cop said you won't get a restraining order and you won't win. You won't be granted a restraining order because of this. They're just going to throw out your case because you need to file a police report. And I didn't want to file a police report because nothing. I, I wanted nothing to do with what had happened. I was so mortified. I was so embarrassed. I just wanted to be protected and I wanted to move on with my life. And I knew with the restraining order, like this guy, my ex-boyfriend wouldn't be able to contact me anymore. He wouldn't be able to follow me or look for me or find me anymore without like some kind of consequence or something like a restraining order stopping it. So, and obviously at that point in our relationship, I wanted him to move on. I wanted us to move on and go our separate ways, but he had kept finding me. He had kept trying to talk to me and get into my life. Like I said, he would call me nonstop, text me nonstop until I finally answered or finally text back and I could change my phone number. But if I changed my phone number, he would, he would drive by my house. So what I had to move, like I had to move houses. Like, no, I, we weren't going to move houses because of that. I wasn't going to change my job because he knew where I worked. I wasn't going to get out of school and transfer to another school because of this guy. Like I wasn't going to rearrange my life for him. All I needed was a restraining order for him to stop trying to contact me. And the cop was saying I was not going to get granted a restraining order. I was just going to waste my time. Like, I was never going to get one. Like, I just could not believe and I was in shock. And I remember telling that cop, like, I was so mad. I was so tired and so confused. And I remember telling him, like, do you have a mom? Do you have daughters? Do you have a sister? Like, do you have any females in your life that you love or care about? Like, would you say the same thing to them? If, if a guy was, you know, trying to do this or go after them, like you would tell them like, oh, there's no way you could get a restraining order or all of this is your fault. Like, no. And I just wanted nothing to do with him. So when he said like, I had to file a restraining order or I had to file a police report to do anything, I believed what the cop said. So initially, I had had filed a police report 
to to also have on record like of the incident and what had happened at the end he had just made it seem like it was my fault and I willingly got into the car although like I was being held against my will in that car when I had kept saying get me out let me out let me out please take me back home get me out let me out like over and over again and again all of this was on the recording so I just I didn't care you know because I had had it recorded anyways so after I had filed that police report the cop was like yeah you're probably still not going to get it after the police report and the police report is going to take several days and several weeks and it's like I need this restraining order like right now like tomorrow like today like I need it now I can't wait a couple weeks or a couple days or anything like that so I just said like okay you know whatever I didn't want anything to do with that cop anymore I knew he wasn't gonna help me so I thought just the next day tomorrow I'll go to the police station and I'll try to help find someone else that could help me or get a restraining order and so I went the next day the next morning to the police station I filed a restraining order and the clerk there was so nice to me and she was so helpful and she helped me file the restraining order um, because I had no idea what I was doing and I told her everything what had happened what was going on I told her that I even have a recording and like screenshots of like the text messages and him cussing me out and him threatening me and the hundreds of like missed calls that he wouldn't leave me alone like I have everything recorded and saved in my phone so she had said you know okay that's you know that's fine so you can show the judge on your court date and you know hopefully that you can get this restraining order granted so automatically they filed a um, emergency restraining order and I had the protection until up to the court date. So once my ex-boyfriend found out about that, he just went crazy. And um, it, was so, it was so easy to get a restraining order for me. I guess because of my situation or what had happened or what was going on. I got a restraining order at ease with no problem, no headache at all. And I ended up later finding out that I didn't need a police report to file a restraining order. And I kept checking on that police report because the clerk said the police report can help the restraining order, but it is not necessary to get a restraining order. Um, the police report is not necessary. And I was so confused. Imagine like if I believed, oh, I can never get a restraining order and I wasn't going to get granted one, so I never got a police, or I never got a restraining order. I could not imagine my life without that restraining order today. So, it's so sad to think about, like, so many people that get killed because they don't get a restraining order, or because they weren't granted a restraining order, or if they believe a cop that says you will not get a restraining order, you're wasting your time. It's so sad to me. And I luckily, I'm not that type of person that just gives up like that. I'm very just strong-willed. And I went through and I followed up. And I got the restraining order. Like I said, at ease. So easy. And I later found out. And the police report was ready. 
The police report said nothing to help me. The police report just said that it was an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend type of thing and that I willingly got into his car. So it was my fault. And it's just, it was just so crazy. So I didn't even use the police report. I didn't even need it. And once our court date was set, we went to court and that was like the first time I had seen him since the accident or since the incident, what he did to me. So it was very awkward. It was very scary for me. It was very, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go. I was so just dreading it and we made no eye contact with each other. But I remember like my whole entire family went to court with me and supported me. And I was so grateful for that. And he, of course, showed up by himself because he didn't want anyone to know what was going on and what he did. So he showed up by himself and the court was like a public court. So there was more people with more cases in that courtroom to hear us. And um, the judge and I remember there was two bailiffs there and the judge was an older man and um, he was being fair with us. He was hearing us out. And, um, I remember my ex-boyfriend went there dressed so professional and like had his professional voice on and was just like, kind of, I felt like he was, I felt like the judge at that time when we were both saying our sides of the story, I felt like our judge was kind of like going back and forth with us because that was something about my ex-boyfriend. He was very convincing. He was very manipulative. He was very smart. He knew the words to say. He had a mouthpiece. Like he knew how to talk to people. He knew how to convince people. Just like later on I found out as I got older, abusers or people, you know, that control you and in domestic violence situations and narcissists, they know how to talk and they're very smart they know how to get their way. That's how he was talking to and convincing the judge. And I told the judge, like, I have a recording. Like, I recorded what happened that night. And I also presented the judge with, like, the text messages of him cussing me out. And, like, back-to-back multiple text messages of him threatening me. And the, like, 70, 100 missed calls from him back-to-back-to-back at all hours of the night and morning. And the judge let me play the recording on the microphone so the whole courtroom could hear. And once that judge and everyone in the room and the bailiffs and everyone heard that recording, everyone looked at my ex-boyfriend like, is this the same person in the courtroom right now? Like, they could not believe how different he had sounded and how, like, how much his voice had changed and how much like how he was how just crazy how he was talking so once like they heard the recording and him yelling and threatening me and saying how he didn't care if the cops found out that his parents would bail him out and things like this the judge sounded or the judge looked so mad and the bailiffs just looked so mad Like, everyone was just disgusted with him and, like, looked, like, just disgusted is the only word I could think of to describe it. And after that, the judge immediately granted me the restraining order 
again with ease and he had he had granted the restraining order for three to four years so with the restraining order I was so happy to get we we after okay so after the court I remember right after I played the recording and the judge granted me the restraining order we were immediately dismissed the bailiffs had to walk my ex-boyfriend to his car and my whole entire family followed the bailiffs right behind my ex-boyfriend to his car and everyone the everyone like even the clerks that I had spoke to were like you can press charges like you can go further with this and I I didn't want to I I wanted nothing to do with anything I was so in denial and I just didn't want to accept it and I just wanted to move on I all I wanted and needed was a restraining order and I just wanted to go on and move move about and go on with my life and just forget this had ever happened I didn't want to I didn't want to feel my feelings I didn't want to feel anything I was so numb for so long and I didn't want to I didn't want to feel anything I didn't want to go through and feel my emotions and I didn't pursue anything I just got my restraining order and I went about my life but that restraining order helped me and it I don't know where my life would be without that restraining order because at the end that restraining order is something we needed to not have any contact with each other for him not to be able to follow me or to find me or to text me once in a while or to call me once in a while or to drive by my house once in a while and it's something we needed to move on he could finally move on and I could finally move on without one of us feeling that we can contact each other or me worrying about him contacting me and right after we got that restraining order and right after I had filed the emergency restraining order he had moved on and I was comfortable with him moving on and him moving on me knowing that he couldn't contact me anymore he could I could move on in peace we could go our separate ways in peace and that restraining order helped him in that new relationship because that's all he could do he couldn't come back to me and he couldn't come back to our relationship so that restraining order helped everyone and it helped a lot of us and it saved my life and after that I honestly didn't after that I was able to move on with my life again comfortable I knew that he he wasn't able to contact me or anything like that and um there was times where I think a few months after that or maybe years after that where we seen each other at a store I remember we seen each other at like a grocery store and I felt something I felt like I felt something so strong and you know how when you feel like someone's staring at you and just look and you like make weird eye contact with like awkward eye contact with someone like that's what happened to me and him so I remember years after we I had got the restraining order I seen him in a grocery store and I was just standing in line and I remember like feeling something and I turn around and I I see him my ex-boyfriend and I had just caught him just staring at me and we locked eyes for like seconds and and 
I think that was one of like the last times I remember seeing him. I mean, that was the long story short, actually, because I know there's so many things that I forgot or that I left out, but that was just briefly to say and talk about like what had happened that night. I, I remember and I'll always remember night that my life changed and I want to encourage others especially younger people or anyone if you've gone through this before or pushing through the aftermath of it like I was it took a toll on me and it's okay you will be okay just don't stay silent and find the courage to speak on it domestic violence affects millions both women and men of every race religion, culture, and status. It's not just punches and black eyes. It's yelling, humiliation, stalking, manipulation, threats, and isolation. It's keeping tabs online, nonstop texting, name calling, and so much more. I wanted to share two phone numbers. The first phone number is National Domestic Violence Hotline. That's 1-800-799-7233. The second phone number is Love is Respect Dating Abuse Helpline. And the number is 1-866-331-9474. These phone numbers I got online from nomore.org. No More is a foundation dedicated to ending domestic violence and sexual assault by increasing awareness and inspiring. I feel like I can talk about this now because it happened years ago. It happened a few years ago and like I said, I'm okay now and I'm in a better headspace and I just take all of the negative that came from it and turn it into a positive and going forward with my life. Um, I feel like I never quite can forget about it, but like I said, it helps me appreciate life a lot more. Now, years later, I don't dwell on it or let it take over my emotions. I'm in a much better place in my life in every way. Everything just made me a better person because I chose, well, I worked very hard and I chose to turn it into a positive rather than a negative cloud over me. I'm very proud of the person I am today and how much I appreciate everything a lot more. Acknowledge the bad, embrace the good, and grow. If you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you for just listening and being open to hear my story time. And stay tuned for another new episode next week. Bye.